Welcome to Elements of Community, a podcast about discovering and exploring the elements of community. I am Lucas Root, and each week we talk with a community leader about what makes their community thrive and bring value to both the leaders and the members. Join me as we unpack the magic of the elements of community. Hey, everyone. Welcome back. You all have met Caitlin already. We've done an episode together. We had an amazing conversation. And she and I have decided we want to have a a different version of this conversation. So on our last conversation, we talked about community, of course, because this is the Elements of Community podcast. And specifically from the perspective of your changing perspective in community. And it was an awesome conversation. I loved it so much that you're back. In this one, we're going to talk about partnership, partly because Caitlin and Lucas are now business partners. Yay. So we get to talk about that. But in the process of building our partnership, both of us have changed a lot. And we get to talk about some of the realizations that have come up from that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How's that? Yeah. So I like it. Yeah, I think you've introduced me to a whole new world of community and thinking about people and how the role that they play in our lives very differently. I now see it everywhere. I just watched the Fast and Furious new movie and the Mission Impossible new movie, and I'm like, oh, partnership. You told me I need to watch the Fast and Furious movie, and I haven't. Yeah. But you told me. well, uh, the Mission Impossible one that just came up, it's all about AI and teamwork. And I was like, oh, Lucas would like this one too. I would love And it that. does have a night and day element that I know you like. So yeah, it'll be good. Anyway, so yeah, it's kind of just now that I've been thinking about community through the lens that you've created for me. Now I see it everywhere and yeah, it's pretty exciting. Yes. That's what I want. That's what I want <laughs> for I can't take Mm -hmm. the same approach with everyone as I did with you, but that's what I want for everyone. (laughs) It was a little intensive. There was a lot of hand-holding that had to happen. Not literally, because we we don't live anywhere near each other. Our arms are a thousand miles long. But yeah, I think as we think about community, I tend to think of it as like the broadest range. Like, these are our friends. We met in a mastermind, the revolutionaries. And then I found like there were a couple people in the bigger revolutionary circle that I was like, ooh, that person is interesting. I want to go deeper with them. And so I kind of pulled my own little conclave together. We call ourselves the Avengers and we got to know each other and you were one of them. And then we started just building this relationship. And then we kind of created like a subset even within that of partnership, which is even deeper and scarier. And that was part of the thing that came up is like, the community, it's fine. I don't really expect anything from my community. If I get anything from my community, it's a bonus. But I mostly expect to just kind of give generally and receive generally. And I'm responsible for whatever I'm going to get from that. Like I know that I need to sow if I'm going to reap. And then at the Avenger level, I took more personal responsibility because this is my little baby tribe that I was building and wanting it to work and scheduling calls and introducing people and making it work. But again, it was like giving. And I feel like even within that circle, it's still, you give with boundaries. You give in expectation of reciprocation. There's still a sort of fullness that's expected. And then at the partner level, I feel like this is where I'm committed kind of regardless of how you show up. Like, if you have a really crappy day, that's when I get to give 200% instead of just 100, right? And vice versa. I know that if I have a crappy day, it's fine because you've got my back. And this concept of going that deep with somebody was really scary given some of my previous experiences with business partnerships and personal partnerships and realizing like, how do you know when you want to bring somebody into the next tighter version of your circle? Like, 
When do you call somebody in from the outer community into your inner circle? When do you call somebody from your inner circle into your partnership, right? And we had to wrestle with that a lot. That's such a fun question. Um, What about you? What do you think? What a great description. Because while I'm out there building the language around community, you and I were... I mean, you more than me, actually, you were building an actual community. You were building a, a tribe of what you call the Avengers. And you pulled me in, not the other way around. <laughs> we just discovered with human design, that's actually just how I'm wired. A completely unconscious confidence. <laughs> She's like, yeah, your mission on Earth is to pull together communities of people who wouldn't otherwise meet. And I was like, whoa, that's interesting. And, you did. and I did. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, and it, it was amazing. It was delightful. I mean, truly, it was delightful watching you in your glory. And I told you so then, and I say it regularly now too. Mm-hmm. How did you know? How did you know to make the Avengers? And how did you know that each of the people there were the right fit? Mm. How did you trust this weird dude? That is a good question. <laughs> That's a totally different question. Okay, so let's talk about Avengers. So bringing people into the first level, again, my head's sort of full of human design right now. So for those of you who have no idea what I'm talking about, human design, like astrology meets genetics and kind of how you're wired to do life. And Lucas makes his decisions differently than I make my decisions. So I have to kind of ride an emotional roller coaster. And Lucas just has like a gut check, yes or no. And so as I'm leaning into that, I'm like, how did I know? And I don't, I think it was just like this spark. So Marusha and I had built a close relationship and she was the head of revolutionary. So she was an obvious choice. And Brandon and I go way back. Like, He's like my little brother. What? Longtime BFFs. Yeah. And then Roran and you, just the way you talked and like your brain, the way your brains work was just so fascinating to me. I'm like, ooh, I feel like they're equally as weird as I am. Let's get to know them better. <laughs> I did not. <laughs> I am weird. So yeah, just completely owning the fact that like it was just personal preference like there was just a spark and a chemistry that I'm like you know what I want to get to know these people better and on a meta level it was like ooh, I can see the pentagram (laughs) I can see how all of these people connect to all these people and how this is going to be we're like these are the people who are willing to go deep so you guys had all given to the community or to me so I think generosity is a first step actually yeah now that i'm thinking about it there are people in the community where i give and i just kind of wait and see and i feel like you did this with me also so this might be the what happens when you give a really generous gift to somebody how do they respond um and for context yeah i had created an a very specific approach to working with ai and i put it into the group (laughs) i gave as a general give. Yeah. Invitation. Um, anyone could have it, but here's the thing. I did it through Google Drive, so they all had to request access, which means I know exactly who actually went and took it. Mm-hmm. So question number one was, who's interested in receiving the gift that I'm giving? Mm-hmm. Right? Because in elements of community, common value is bi-directional. So you're not in the community if you're not willing to receive gifts. You're not really here if you're not willing to receive. Interesting. You have to be willing to receive. Hugs, words of affirmation, praise, food at the table. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that gift. So to me, the people who didn't choose to receive that aren't in. They're already not in. Interesting. So actually, the first level was me receiving your gift, saying, yes, I want this thing. I see the value of the thing you're bringing to the table. 
and I want it. And the second step then is who tries to reciprocate in any way. Because value is bidirectional. It's the value you receive and the value you give. Now, it's okay with me, and you've pointed this out, it's okay with me if I don't get the benefits of the next gift, of the follow-on gift. So if I give my AI document and you take it, now you've received, and that means you might be in. I'm down. Mm -hmm. If I the gift, then people better be willing to receive. But to your point, at the community level, you have the analogy of the bowl, right? If the bowl is full and I give, I might not get it back directly to me, but it's going to overflow and come back to me in some way. So I might give my gift to Beth and Sam in the same community might be the one who gives a gift back to me, but it's fine as long as we're all hanging out in the same container that this can be a karmic reciprocity instead of a directional reciprocity. I haven't shared the bowl on the podcast yet. Let's talk about oh. it. Okay, you should talk about it. So to me, giving and receiving inside a community should be looked at like a bowl. You just brought it up. And we should be pouring into that bowl, but not until it's full. We should just be pouring into that bowl at the level that we want to receive from the bowl. Now, if you want to receive nothing and you're giving nothing, you're not part of a community. You're not in the bowl. You're not in the bowl. We should be pouring into the bowl. And as the bowl fills up, and people continue to pour into the community gifts and engagement and love and caring and sharing, the bowl will start to overflow. And in this analogy, the bowl overflowing is the good thing. That's what we're going for. That's when everybody starts to receive value in kind every single time some gift is given into the bowl. <laughs> yeah. And that plays back, like what I said, the karmic giving, because... There have been times in my life where I give more than I receive. And the way that I make peace with that is recognizing that I can outgive an individual, but I can't outgive the universe. That everything I'm giving to a single human is a gift I'm giving to the world and the world will always send it back. Maybe not in the way that I expect it to look, but it's safe to be generous is really, I think, an important principle. I love that. So you're saying mm -hmm. you're in community with the universe. Of course, aren't we all? Well, Only we if we're are. allowing ourselves to receive, evidently, <laughs> that we're cutting ourselves off. Now, here's an important point. There's a really meaningful difference between taking and receiving. I find, energetically speaking, taking is more expensive than receiving. To the whole. Say more. Well, this is just me noticing. But even if... You know, if you want to drink a water out of the bowl and you sit there and wait for your cup to be filled, people will fill it and you've received. And now it's positive because everybody who filled your cup, they get the benefit of having given to you. But when you just dip your cup into the bowl and fill yourself, I find that from an energetic perspective and physics doesn't go here, right? From an energetic perspective, the cost is greater than the received value. So it costs more than the full cup for you to drink your cup. Well, physics may not help you, but mathematics would, right? So if you lose 50% of your, like your stock, right? You cut into the nest egg, the seed money, the capital, whatever. It's not like I need to make 50% again to get back there, right? That's you can market. do the math, <laughs> right? So what you're talking about is like, you just wait for the dividends to overflow and come to you, then it's great. But if you start eating into your seed capital, it's not going to work. But yeah, Another but I think the distinction, what? Uh, um, similar to this, but I'm, it's very similar, but in a totally different vein. I've noticed that if my costs are greater than my income in a given month, and I go onto my credit card, and then my costs are less than my income in a following month, and I try to pay down my credit card, weirdly, those two never balance out. <laughs> they never balance out. Interesting. So what I've noticed is that the carrying cost of excess is always greater than the excess itself. And it's not just interest. It's not just like, oh yeah, well, you, you know, you incurred 
what, 10% interest on $1,000, so it's an extra 100 bucks. No, it's more like it's $2,000. This is the energetic principle. Like it's just heavy. Yeah. Yeah. I think the distinction you're making though is between receiving and taking. Like receiving is just, I'm in surrender. It will come in the perfect time, in the perfect way from the perfect person. And my cup is ready to receive from the bowl. But taking is like, nope, I don't trust that the universe is going to bring me what I need when I need it from the people at the perfect time. So I'm like, go in and I'm going to grab it for myself. And yeah, it's a totally different energy, which means that my cup already has to be full. When you need to drink? Well, just in general, like I can't like that desperation and that need. And that we teach about this in sales, like the sale you need is the sale you won't get. Right. You have to come saying, I don't need this sale. I can walk away. I'm abundant. I've got what I need. I'm good. And I think it's in our best interest to do business together. Right. Very different energy than I really need to close this deal because I need this commission check in order to pay my rent today. Like it's just a totally different vibrational frequency. And the results are different. Oh, 100%. Yeah. The other person picks up on it very quickly. Like, oh, you need me. That's not sexy. (laughs) And we talked about this, right? You were like, I want somebody who wants me, but doesn't need me, right? As a partner, like that's really important. Yeah. Cool. So yeah, Um, pouring in and I watched who received. And then I watched who also then gave. Here's the thing, for better or worse, we're not trained to just give and allow for receiving to happen. It's not how we're trained in modern culture. We're not trained to see community the way I see it. But as humans, we love a couple of things. We love follow the leader. (laughs) Yes. We also love the feeling of abundance. So if somebody's showing up and giving really powerful gifts, it's hard to ignore that. It's hard. It's equally expensive to ignore that. So the people who are choosing not to receive and also choosing not to then reciprocally give, (laughs) that's a mouthful. Yeah. That's a choice they have to make. That's an energy they have to step into. It's not a default. It's necessarily intentional. Because our default is, oh, he's giving, I'll give too. Interesting. That's how we're wired. Community is our base state. That's fun. (laughs) So I'm just thinking like, so you just go around giving gifts, seeing does anybody accept them? And then when they accept them, how do they respond? This is how you figure out who gets to move into your inner circle. (laughs) Yeah. Well, piece of it. What else was there? Can't be the whole thing. You thought we were weird, right? There was that. So there was an attraction of sorts. Yeah, I do. I do like weird people, particularly of the nerdy variety. (laughs) Yeah, I'm thinking through there is because in our group, and I've kind of mentioned it, like there's even in our fully adult circle, there's still the nerds and the jock. I love the jocks. They're so cool. I don't think I should go talk to them, right? There's still that junior pie. Like, I'm, I don't belong in that clique. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, but I do belong with the nerd crowd. Like, people who are geeking out over AI and social media and technology and, like, the future of the human race. Like, ooh, my people, right? So, yes, there is that, like, your personal self-identifiers that says, ooh, yeah, we're going to have some fun. Like, we'll have things that we can talk about. Like, I'm going to enjoy these conversations. And I'm sure, I mean, our jocks are lovely. And I'm sure that I will enjoy having deep conversations with them at some point in the future. But you were my people. Like, you are the safe ones. So, yeah, that's an interesting, I don't even know how to articulate that. It's just, who do you resonate with who lights you up? Like, you're like, oh, I like that person. I want to get to know that person better. I feel safe around that person. That's an interesting thing that's hard to quantify. I don't know how to explain like when you do or don't feel safe, but I think most of us recognize it. 
in a person's presence versus like <laughs> okay that was fun let's talk about the weather oh 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 <laughs> uh, yeah yeah so okay. safety came up like four times in there well yeah well that was on purpose because i was recognizing like oh when i say like there's a resonant frequency like that's one of the things that on that bass note of the music scale, right? That bass note is the safety note. There's also the electricity of attraction and like, ooh, but it's like you need the harmony of deep resonance. Like I feel safe and I also feel excited by this person, like the high notes, you know? I do love the music analogy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so they have to strike a chord with you. They have to strike a chord. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not monotonous. Oh. Ah. Mm-hmm. We've talked about safety before. We probably, but I don't actually remember, we've probably even talked about safety in terms of community. So if I have said it before, then this is a little bit of a repeat, but because I don't remember, probably the audience doesn't either. Here's a power statement. Abraham Maslow was wrong. Maslow believed that you need to have security before you can seek community. He was wrong. I don't think that he was wrong for the wrong reasons. I think he was wrong for the right reasons. He was raised in a modern society where it's really hard to see the fact that community is required for security. Here's what I mean by that. As humans, as an animal, we don't know what of the green leafy things that are around us are safe to eat all by ourselves. It's not genetically encoded. As humans, as an animal, we don't have a magnetic attraction to safe water nearby or a salt lick. It's not genetically encoded. As humans, as an animal, we can't just sleep in the trees. We don't have fur all over our bodies to keep us warm when the temperature drops at night. We're sort of useless as animals. As solo animals. Solo animals. All of that together means that in order for us to survive, in order for us to actually have any degree of security at all, we must approach our lives in community. We can get food. Without the support of our community, we cannot get water without the support of our community. We cannot get shelter without the support of our community. And Maslow asserted, wrong, that you must have food, water, and shelter before you can look for community. But we can't have those things without community. We must have community first. One of the first things that you said in our community that struck my attention, like, I was like, who is this person? Was you said, technology necessarily makes us weaker. And I was like, say what? Hey, of course <laughs> it makes sense, right? But what you're saying is that at some point in the last 50,000 years, We made a commitment to a technology of community and we said, we are all in on this technology and we are going to have dull teeth and lose our nails and we're going to let go of our fur and we are going to lose our instincts because we are all in on this technology of community and the weakness that we receive as a result of being all in on this technology is worth the cost us to have interdependence and that's when we became the dominant species on the planet was when we became all in on the community technology that is interesting it's so cool i love that reframe well done (laughs) well i was just working with one of my life coach clients and She's going through some health issues and whether it's projection or whether it's actually articulated by her boyfriend, but she feels less than her boyfriend because she is dependent on him financially and he is independent in her words. And I was like, are we allowed to be explicit on your podcast? I was like, 
independence is bullshit. Like, there, he is not independent. There's no such thing as independence unless he is living in like the northern climates of Canada, growing his own food off the grid. He's not independent. He is dependent on his employer to give him money. He is dependent on a monetary system where that little ones and zeros or paper bill is exchangeable for somebody else's actual value when he goes to a grocery store. So he's right. dependent on the grocery store to have food available in exchange for the money that he received from his employer. And then unless he's actually generating his own energy, he's going back to a home that somebody else built on a road that somebody else paved in a car that somebody else made. And he's flipping a light switch to turn on electricity that somebody else generated. And he's going to cook that food in like a pan that he didn't make. Like this guy is completely dependent on everybody. But because, and this is something we have talked about. I think this was on our last episode. We have turned it into a faceless machine of support. So you don't recognize the person that you're dependent on with your light switch, the person you're dependent on for your grocery bill. You're a person you're dependent on for your paycheck, right? Maybe that one. That one's probably the one people most resonate with. But in general, we've created, we've defaced the infrastructure of support that we all live within. And so we think that we are independent. But as I remind my children, when the zombie apocalypse hit, <laughs> the shit hits the van, you are going to realize just how dependent you are on all of this ecosystem that humans have built and created together in community. So we've made it so that you forget that you're dependent on community, but every single one of us is. Like it is the foundational part of the pyramid. Yeah. Those of us in NorCal don't really have a problem with water, but the people down by you are also dependent for your water. Oh yeah, very much so. Yeah, I like it. Um, well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Independence is not a thing. Not a thing. And it's not even something we should be seeking, as we said. Maslow <laughs> was wrong. We don't get food, we don't get water, we don't get shelter. We are not secure alone. Mm -hmm. And that internal wiring exists. And it's not wrong. And you can't turn it off. Mm-hmm. You are not secure. You are not safe. If you don't have six people upon whom you can count on for anything at any time, no matter what. And you know it. Mm -hmm. So that that safety thing matters a lot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. So strike a chord of interest and safety. Mm -hmm. That's so this cool. is inner circle. I think that's probably enough for bringing people into your inner circle. Then it's just a matter of going hunting together and seeing do you coordinate well. Like, can we bring down a buffalo together or are you the weakling and you're going to die? <laughs> oh, I love this. Or are you so valuable that we don't care we're going to carry you? <gasps> the grandma. Yeah. That makes sense. We have stories in society that today that need to be forgotten like they actually need to be forgotten it's time for us to let these stories go stories like going out on the ice flow maybe not a story you've heard forgotten it's already gone what's that it's the, the notion that somebody becomes less valuable as they ages in any capacity, in any story, anywhere, it needs to be forgotten. That's not the way humans work. And any culture that has built around that notion is wrong. Mm. I'm out here and draw a line in the sand right now. If you believe that humans become less valuable as they age, you're wrong. You need to check yourself. Check your age that. privilege. You have something here broken and you need to fix it. Mm -hmm. Humans do not become less valuable as they age, but they become significantly more valuable as they age. 
and it becomes more and more apparent as you allow for it. Mm. Bring in the wisdom, bring in the experience, bring in the knowledge, bring in the skill that person has amassed over their life, bring in the training that they can bring back to you so that you learn your skills better, faster, deeper, and you can bring those to bear more effectively because of the knowledge and wisdom that person has gained. This is the way humans work. But I think it's because we don't have a wisdom culture, right? Industrial revolution, it became all about your skills and your ability to produce. And oh, your no. ability to produce does go down. Well, right? Farming revolution. <laughs> farming was the first one. Yeah, right. But even then, like, you could still have the wisdom of seasonality. Like, when is the right time to plant, etc. So there can still be wisdom in, like, when you're having to live off nature. But when you're having to go into a factory and just pound out widgets for 12 hours a day, right? Uh, your physical capacity does become a defining factor in whether you're a useful member of society. And I feel like for the last 150, 200 years, we've been desperately trying to turn humans into widgets. <laughs> and our educational system and our economic system. And then we're like, oh, this widget, no longer widgets, toss it. Like, let's go throw it in a nursing home and never see them together. Let's put all the useless widgets together until they pass away quietly and we can sanitarily like just go see them one last time and wave bye and then walk away. Like we have zero connection to death as a culture and zero honor where does, or where does how, meat come from? Where does meat come from? The grocery store. Yeah. In little sanitized plastic cover styrofoam package. Yeah. Which was total side tangent, but yeah. So if we had a wisdom culture that valued it and made it worthy of acquiring, because I have seen old people who are not wise and they are still trying to dress like they're 20. And they are still trying to pretend that they can do everything that everybody else can do and have the same sexual drive that everybody else has. And they're like, they don't see the value of being the grandmother or the grandfather. And so they don't step into that role. So, yeah, I feel like there's this culture that keeps perpetuating that age is evil. And to avoid that, stay perpetually young, which is... Yeah, it's not helpful. Not helpful. Yes. Okay, so chords. So you have an interest chord, or you have an interest note and a safety mm -hmm. note. Me personally, I look very carefully for a giving note. Okay. A giving, giving note, right? It, ha it mm -hmm. has to be there. I'm not worried about, so we know the six elements, I'm not worried about purpose. I'm not worried about projects. As far as I'm concerned, if we have a purpose, if we don't have a purpose, we're not even going to be interested in coming together, regardless of the other stuff, right? Mm, so purpose is what brought the revolutionaries together in the first place? Exactly. And then projects is what brings the Avengers together, because we get to do projects no. together? No. Okay. Awesome question. Thank you. No. Projects are how you noticed. This is you specifically, because you did this. Projects are how you noticed that somebody was playing the right notes for them to be a chord uh -huh. team. That's why projects are an element of community. And people keep looking at this projects thing and they're like, but, but why? Projects happen. And I'm like, because projects are how we test. Mm -hmm. It's not about testing, it's how we test. Projects in testing, in trying, in breaking things. Projects are how we break things and fix them and make them yeah. better. So projects are how we like, I want you on my team, and I want you on my team, and I want you on my team. <laughs> yeah. Got it. In a very real sense. Mm -hmm. Projects are hunting. Mm -hmm. So it's what you just said. We we get together, we go hunting, we see how well we do. Did we bring down mm -hmm. the buffalo? Do I still mm -hmm. trust with a bow, with a spear, mm -hmm. with a blade? Are you an adult? Are you an adult? So I'm not worried about purpose or projects. Because purpose is probably what brought us together to begin with. And projects are just going to happen. Projects are how we test. 
what I worry about is language. Can we get to a common language? Are we willing to? Are we interested in it? Okay. Do we want to fight over every little thing? Or are we looking for an opportunity to arrive at consensus? And mm -hmm. realize consensus is not the same thing as giving up ground. Right? So I worry about language. That's a chord for me. I worry a lot about value. I pay a lot of attention to that. It's one of the reasons why I talked about it first. You worry about safety. I don't. Which is awesome. It's a shared strength in us that I didn't used to have, right? You brought that strength to us. Safety awareness? Yeah. It's not a thing I worry about. I am one, and I'm aware of this, I am 100% in the privilege of modern man. I am in the privilege of modern man. Safety is not something I worry about. Mm -hmm. Should I? Maybe? No. Probably? No. I know I'm in the privilege of modern man. I don't worry about safety. It's not part of what my psyche has chosen to hold on to from base humanity. I don't mm -hmm. worry about safety, but you do. And you bring that strength to us. And conversely, because I don't, I bring a strength that is free of that to us. Cool. So it's all about the cord. That takes us to Avengers. Now, how did you go from Avengers to me? <laughs> that is, yeah, let's talk about that together because I don't even remember. <laughs> let's let, be honest, the woman chooses the man. We all know better. <laughs> the man just puts out his pretty tail feathers. <laughs> right, that's right. <laughs> all right, so I don't actually remember how we decided to go deeper. I think we did so we did a one-off exchange right you gave your ai system to me and i was like this is great let me reciprocate let me do and we did ted talk evaluations and positioning and we identified some mutual opportunities like here's three more things that i could give to you and here's three more things that you could give to me and we had Kind of I, don't think, I don't think we said it at three, though. We just... No, that's what I proposed to you in an email. Like, here's the three things I can give you, and here's the three things I'd like back in exchange. That was like the next level right. of testing. <laughs> Do you show up? Like, can I actually deliver? And then... But at that point, it's not about safety anymore. Now it's no. leveling value. Say more about that, because value is one of the ones that I'm not as familiar with in your framework. Value. The, the two that I think most people have a poor language around is heart, philotimo, and value. You have your arms around heart pretty well. What does that entail? Heart, philotimo, the love of community and the love of honor is an open conversation between you and the concept of love inside the community. And so that means when you're there, you're all the way there. When you show up for the projects, right? Remember, the projects are how we test. When you show up for the projects, you show up in your best regardless of what the project is. If it's washing dishes or if it's going for a hunt or if it's bringing somebody to age. All of those are projects and in every single one of them, you're 100% in, you're 100% there. Part of being 100% there is also noticing when somebody else isn't and holding them up, giving them someone to lean on. Hey, I see that you're not all the way there. What can I do to support you being all the way there? Because this is important. Yeah. This hunt, this coming of age ceremony, this dishwashing, this is important. How can I support you being all the way there? <laughs> and maybe that's dropping by their house later on that day and dropping off a casserole. Maybe it's giving them a really deep, powerful, like earth grounding hug. Maybe it's just the question, how can I help you be 100% here? Yeah. That one I don't do consciously, but you do it feedback suggests i do it well oh, unconscious. Yeah. 
So that's hard. That's Filotima. <laughs> that is element six. <laughs> value is giving value. So it's being the one who notices. It's being the one who gives the hug. It's being the one who brings the, the casserole. And it's receiving. It's being open to somebody bringing the casserole to you because you need it. Maybe not because you can't afford to make a casserole, but because you've been spending the entire day doing packing and you just haven't had time to make food for your family. Somebody else showing up and saying, I know you spent all day doing packing and here's a casserole where you could say, oh no, it's fine. Let your pride get in the way. Oh no, it's fine. I'll make something. I'll go to Uber Eats. I'll order out. Or you could say, you're wonderful. Thank you for bringing that. Why don't you come in and eat with us? You see the difference between receiving and not receiving. Mm -hmm. And that's value. Value is the value you bring to the community actively and passively. And the value you receive from the community actively and passively. Got it. So we were testing that at the next level. Like, I mean, we always test that. I know, but in terms of like going from inner circle to partner. Ember, so people have a hard time with the word testing. You did, mm -hmm. actually. You tried to call me out on testing and we had a conversation about it. If community is security, if community is the most basic security, then we as an animal, we must always test our community. We must always we not test, we have to. It's the most important thing we can do as a biological being. So testing community- Lives depend on this community. Yeah. Testing community to us is tantamount to having super smelling to a dog. Hey. We have to test. Interesting. I've never hmm. actually used those words here, which means that this is both an invitation to everyone listening to test and to do it actively, but do it in a way that is loving. I was just thinking about like the women in my life, especially who have trust issues, who don't feel safe. And I'm realizing like they have a broken system, like their tester is not effective. And you know, the one who just keeps dating abusive men like over and over and you're like at some point you're gonna figure out that this is not to your benefit and then they never do <laughs> so it's like how do we i'm just really curious and it doesn't have to be in this conversation but i'm really curious how do we get that litmus test right so for me it was my dad right epitome of safety strength masculine peace like i was like oh do you match up to this or do you not so it was easy for me to find good men because I already had a model of that in my brain, in my heart, in my DNA, right? So it's interesting to think through like, how does the community that we like are born into and experience um, like the archetype, the model that we replicate as we grow older? It's just, it's fascinating. Okay, so sorry, that was a bit of a tangent. You're, you can go back, wherever we were. Fantastic. No. I think we should talk about that for a second. This is already a really long podcast. Yeah. Listen, my best conversations start after 20 minutes. <laughs> Just skip the first 20. It was a warm-up lap. <laughs> it is. It's a warm-up lap. Anybody who's still listening knows that. They're like, yeah, he's still a little awkward. He hasn't fully warmed up yet. Just stick with him. I know that about myself. My audience knows that about me. I'm not saying anything they don't know at this point. <laughs> All right. I like it. So what's really cool about that question is if community is as broken worldwide as it seems to me it is, then nobody has that lit litmus test unless they just happen to get lucky. Mm. But community is so core to us as an animal that we're not supposed to have that be the thing we get lucky. Mm. So we didn't build any additional steps. 
like the testing that we just talked about, that's about it. Like, is this community the right community for me? Because if it's not, I got to go find one that is or build mm -hmm. one. But what if there isn't one? Or at least what if your experience suggests to you that there isn't one and that there aren't people that you can pull together into your community to make one that's safe for you? What if that's not possible? You and I know that it is, but what if it's not? The first purpose of this podcast was to tell stories of how community works so that people can see that. If you can see it, you can be it. If you hear a few episodes of this podcast, then all of a sudden the world opens up as a possibility that didn't exist before. I can actually be a safe human. Wait, really? That's a thing? Mm. Yeah. And we have a bunch of humans running around with completely dysregulated nervous systems. Because they've never been safe. <laughs> Partly because we've been taught that the first thing you need is food, water, and shelter. Material things. Independence. Important material things, but material things. Independence, exactly. You don't independence. You can't have independence. Independence is not a thing. Even the people who are living all the way up in the north, they don't have independence. In fact, they would probably be the ones who are most likely to admit that they need humanity. <laughs> they probably are keenly aware of the places that they are dependent. I buy my bullets from. Yep. And oh gosh, I really love it when people come to visit. Very cool. Mm. So you were testing. So we were testing. Yeah. And and see, it started was me recognizing that you had a need, that you wanted to empower women and talk about menopause in public forums. And I was like, dude, you have an optics problem. You are a 40-something Caucasian male talking to women about women in the most polarized and charged gender war of the ages. Like, you need a female partner. Let me introduce you to my sister. <laughs> yep. I think you're actually replaying the exact convert. Like, those were your exact words. <laughs> I Not remember. Yep. That was it. Yeah. Yeah. Because I was like, so maybe the next level is I recognize that you did have a need. I did not recognize that I was going to be the best fit for that need, but I was committed to you and serving you at the highest level. And like, yes, you need a partner. Like, this is the thing. And you're like, I don't need a partner. I was like, yeah, you do. You need a female partner. If this is going to fly, this is what you need. Like prescription here, go get it filled somewhere else. <laughs> go to the pharmacy right now. <laughs> Right, because I'm like, I'm not into all that goddess crap. Like, no, nah, -uh. I'm building a business of my own. I had just been burned by a business partner. No interest in partnership whatsoever. And yet you kept fighting. So what did you see? What was it that you wanted to, like, how did you know that you wanted to take this relationship to the next level? Sorry, that was my 808 alarm. <laughs> Speaking of common language, the community that Lucas and I have Not built. Common language. That's also value and philotimo. Okay, so our 808 alarm is at 808 in the morning and 808 at night. Everyone in our community, wherever you are, whatever your 808 is, you stop and you take a moment and you send love and appreciation and abundance to everybody else in the community. So <clears throat> that was my 808 alarm reminding us that we're sending love to all of our ecstatic members. So <clears throat> yeah, that was perfect. <laughs> that is perfect. Mm -hmm. I, <laughs> yeah. First, you using your words yourself, you were committed to me. So everyone who's listening right now, if somebody out there is committed to you, be committed back. Mm. Now, it might not be in the same way. And this is a perfect example of how my commitment back to you was not in the same way as your commitment to me. It's okay for your commitment not to be the same. It's okay for somebody to be committed to your, say, spiritual journey 
and for you to commit back to them on their physical journey. Like you're going to help me achieve enlightenment and I'm going to help you stay in that body by paying you money. <laughs> sure, by paying you money or by cooking you food or by taking you for walks. Mm -hmm. So, as you said, you had decided to be committed to me and I committed back differently. Mm -hmm. At least at first. The second piece. We have an enormous amount of synergy, and your book was wide open, and for better or worse, my book is never wide open. So I could see our synergy much more clearly than you could. Me. And that's my fault. I know it. <laughs> but we got there. <laughs> and then, you know, third, we were both passing all the tests with flying colors. Yeah, so we did like baby steps. Like I introduced you to my community, brought me onto a podcast, like various things that we did to kind of see how do we play well in each other's playgrounds. <laughs> More than just that, though, I should have said this and didn't. So here I am saying it. It's fun for me to serve you specifically. It's fun for me. When you had asks, when you had requests, it was fun for me to do them. Mm. I wasn't just paying in. It was actually pleasurable to pay in. So going back to that attraction note, like yeah. it was fun. Yeah, and I do think fun is important if you're going to have a partnership because otherwise, why would you bother? But that's also personal. I've had people that I did, you know, the AI work that I've done that I did with you. I've had people mm -hmm. I did that for, and it was just work. But doing mm -hmm. it with you was fun. So what does that mean? Well, it's part of my test, although this is a test of me, not of you, right? Is this someone for whom my service is actually fun? Or does it just feel like duty and obligation? Yeah, I don't need more duty and obligation. If Heck I'm going to no. do this work anyway, I might as well do it with someone who makes it fun. Yeah. Yeah, fun is one of my key values. I agree. Yeah. So I would say in reciprocity, like the counter one is our sense of humor, right? Like you get my jokes. You think I'm funny. This is a very important. <laughs> if I drop a joke and you just sit there and you stare at me, I'm like, you're an idiot. <laughs> 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 I'm with you. Humor is really my IQ test is really what <laughs> Well, IQ and EQ. Yeah. Like, because if you were like, you are brilliant, but you're not just intellectually intelligent. Like you have incredible emotional intelligence. And as somebody who started with IQ and moved into EQ, like I recognize that you need both to do life well. Like I need somebody who's as smart in me as I am that can solve problems the way I could. And mm, this is interesting because usually we're told that in a partnership, you should have opposites. Right. And I think you and I have discovered like in our life partnerships, I don't know about yours, but like for my husband and I, we are very different. Like, and that difference is really useful. He, I start things, he finishes them. Right. I'm like, let's be excited and spontaneous. And he's like, let's be grounded and have a plan. Like, so I create tempests, he calms storms. Right. So it's just, it's really useful to have somebody who balances you energetically. But in our partnership, it was like, I could see our polarity, right? Gaia worshiper, Christ follower, like male, female, like there were polarities, but in terms of like how we approach business, like we're both highly strategic, very effective communicators, natural charisma. Like we had almost identical like CEO qualities that overlapped. And I remember talking to Marusha, like, hey, I'm thinking of partnering with Lucas. What do you think? And she's like, well, are your guys' strengths complementary? I'm like, no, they're identical. <laughs> and I was like, this doesn't make sense. Why would you need another version of yourself? Right. And I was like, oh, because redundancy helps. Right. Redundancy in all areas of your life 
Like if you have two people who both know how to do the job well, you know that job is getting done, right? So as much as I love my husband in all ways, and he takes care of half the business, the half of the business that I'm responsible for, I am exclusively responsible for, the marketing and the sales and the delivery are mine. The operations and finance are his, right? And we don't try to overlap. We don't try to do each other's work. But it was like, oh, Lucas actually could do the marketing, could do the sales and could do the fulfillment. And that, like, I had to completely change my thinking around that and recognize that the redundancy was a gift and a strength, not an unnecessary, like, duplication of effort. Right, we get this idea, like, too many chiefs, not enough Indians, right? But I'm like, oh no, how useful would it be to have another chief? Like, if you buy into fluid leadership, right? As a concept, if you have a, a fellow leader Maybe that's really listening, huh? they bought it, I hope, or at least they're trying to. <laughs> right. But how often do you see that modeled? Right. Like, never. Yeah. You and I can equally throw the baton back and forth to each other in real time on a stage with zero preparation. Like, that's rare. I don't know that I've seen it anywhere else. And we didn't even know this until. We got to test it out in front of real humans and recognize, oh, yeah, we can like completely improv, just lead and take the baton when it's right for us to take the baton and hand it back when it's right for the other person to take the baton. But that's only possible when that other person has supportive strengths that really mirror the thing that you're the leadership that you're trying to create. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, you just took its fun and leveled it way up. <laughs> so that goes back to, to security, actually. And what you're saying is that security and leadership actually requires trust in collaboration in that area. And I agree. Yeah, right? like you if we're a six and we're hunting, right? I trust you, like in my pack, right? I That's trust I you that if I go. tell you to go stand there, and shoot the thing when it comes by you, that's different than trusting you to tell me to go stand there and shoot the thing when it comes by, right? Like I had to trust you at a different level. I had to trust you as a leader instead of just a fellow, part, like I was gonna use the word playmate, but I realized that Jenny Bellinger might be listening. <laughs> oh. <laughs> now we're going to have to send this episode to her and the title <laughs> when we send it just to her will be Playmate. <laughs> oh, we have a dear friend, the the business dominatrix. She's fantastic, but she does make our conversations a little bit spicier. <laughs> you know what? I'm here for it. I love it. I am here for it. Yeah. So yeah, at partnership level, you're trusting the other person and actually, let me double down on this one, because growing up in a conservative Christian worldview, we were told that women had to submit to their husbands. And it was like, I like that idea in concepts, but I know that I am a hella good leader with a really high leadership quotient. There's no way on earth I am going to submit to somebody who is less of a leader than I am who has lower leadership quotient than I have, like that ain't happening. And so as a result, I only liked guys who were like decades older than me <laughs> from what's like growing up years. And then I found Michael and I was like, oh, here's a peer who is a better leader than I am. Like I trust him to get me through hell and back. Like I can submit to this man, right? And it was that leadership ability that allowed me to be a partner um, because I was willing to surrender and submit and know that it was it's okay to do that in context so yeah I think that there's something there about you're gonna pull in somebody as a partner and this is what I tell my kids like don't marry somebody you like marry the person that you want to be more like when you get older because you will become that person if you spend the next four decades together um so marry the person that you want to be like when you grow up. I think the same is true of business partnerships. Like 
assuming we keep working together for several decades, I want to be more like you when I grow up, you know? When you grow up. When I grow up. Who knows when that'll be? I have, so in our relationship, I've changed your language on that stuff. Fluid leadership and submission are not the same thing. I have no interest in submission. I have no interest in you being submitted or submissive. That's not the way humanity is supposed to work. That's not the way I want my relationships to work, particularly not the ones that I have partners, partnership with you, my wife, separately. I don't, I'm not interested in submission. What I want is fluid leadership. What I want is someone who will take the baton from me, take it out of my hands when they see that they're the right person to take the next step. And that's not submission. But the reciprocation is like, you also want somebody who's willing to let go of baton when also it's time for submission. you to take it. Well, it depends on how we're finding the word. Do you like surrender better? <laughs> who's willing it's to not let even go. surrender. It's trust okay. absent surrender. It's trust above surrender. Or you could just simply argue that it's trust that enables surrender. I'm here for that argument, but I'm guessing that's not the way we want to go right now. You felt ugly, Matt. <laughs> In addition, my relationship with Jenny, and I'm hoping your relationship with Michael doesn't look like surrender. It doesn't look like submission. It looks like fluid. It looks like you are both not just capable leaders, but actually leading all the time are actually leading all the time. Even when one and person is in the spotlight and one person is behind the seat. Yes, and you both actively want the other person. You want the other person to have the spotlight when it's right. That's not submission. No, I think that's fair. Yeah, I like that better. Yeah. Not that submission is necessarily a bad word. It's just not the right word for this. I'll buy it. Yeah. Marry someone that you don't have to submit to. But it's super fun when you get to. <laughs> that little word, that little clip right there is going right to Jenny. <laughs> yeah, I like this. Wow. Fun. Any more on us leveling up into partners? Do we want to talk about wings? Let's save a little bit of fun for the next conversation, maybe. Okay. Sounds good. Yeah. Cool. Closing three questions. <laughs> the first one is, in addition to now being able to reach out to me always to be able to catch you, where is the one best place for people to catch you if they just can't stand another minute without you? Reach out to us at ecstaticway.com. Uh, my email is Caitlin, C-A-I-T-L-I-N, at ecstaticway.com. Yeah. If there was any one question that I didn't ask you wish I had, what would that be? I think this is my least favorite question. You said <laughs> last time. <laughs> You've done this before. You should be ready for this. You, I should. And you're probably going to ask me on the next one. And it can't be wings. <laughs> probably. How did I heal past partner trauma enough oh. that I was able to say yes to this partnership fully? Oh, wow. But I don't know that I have a good answer for that. So then what you're telling me is that's a seed for our next conversation. Okay. Wing and healing. That's, yeah, that'd be a good one. Sicy. Deep. Yeah. I love it. Fantastic. That's a great question too. That's one. Yeah. You know what? I, I want to listen now. I, I don't just want to host. I want to listen. I want to hear it. <laughs> Better come up with an answer then real quick. Yeah. And thank you. 
Do you have any parting words? I'm just thinking back to when I asked you, why do you want to partner with me? And you're like, you see my best path forward to my best me. When you find that person, you hold on with both hands. And that stuck with me. So when you find that person or those people who see your best self and can help you walk that path, hold on to them with both hands and don't let go. Yeah, that. Thanks for joining us this week on Elements of Community. Make sure to visit our website, elementsofcommunity.us, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found value in this show, we'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, or if you'd simply tell a friend about the show, that would help us out too. Be sure to tune in next week for our next episode.